Hi, you're listening to Go See a Show, New York City's independent theater podcast. I feel like every year I try to get to a ton of seasonally appropriate theater around Halloween time, and every year I fail in that goal, only seeing one or two. 2018 is no different, but at least I got to this one. Your Invisible Corset. Hunger and Thirst Theater's modern, female-centric take on Bram Stoker's classic, Dracula. I sat down with the playwright and star of the show, along with a few of her castmates. After a recent performance, I'll let them all introduce themselves. Take a listen. Let's start at the top. Uh, I like to have everyone introduce themselves, so we have a voice to go with the name. Let me know who you are and what you did on the show, and because the playwright's right in front of me, I'm going to have to start with you. All right. I'm Patricia Lynn. I'm the playwright. I played Mina, uh, primary producer, artistic director, and costume designer. I'm Elizabeth Ann Remar, and I play Dr. Susan Ward. I'm Patrick Horn, and I play Jonathan Harker. I'm Emily Kitchens, and I play Lucy. And the show is Your Invisible Corset. And what, who wants to tell us what this is? Because, uh, and, and give us the, the really simple explanation and then go a little further. Because, I mean, really you have a, a very easy hook into this because it is at its core. It's a modern day adaptation of Dracula. Boom, that's the simple Boom. answer. Uh, but that's not exactly what it is. So when you tell people to come and see your modern day adaptation of Dracula, how do you, what do you tell them? Like, what is your, your, your more, I guess, uh, fleshed out elevator pitch? Uh, well, I talk about how it's, a, I call it a female-focused version or a feminist version of this story. I've always been interested in Gothic literature and uh, putting it in the modern day. And then also, uh, usually in Gothic fiction, female characters are not featured as much as I would like. So uh, spinning it in more of a feminist direction to highlight them um, has always been an interest of mine, and that's what makes the production unique. And it's interesting, too, because I think in modern horror, we've seen a lot of turns uh, to uh, away from, or, or like how we describe the last girl in, you know, like 80 slashers films and that sort of stuff, how, what the feminist lens is on modern horror. So to take that lens and put it back into the 1800s and then reflect it into the modern moment, I don't know, there's a lot of like flips going on in there. Talk to me about preparing something like this because I, I, I could see, like, everyone knows Dracula, right? Yeah. What happens when you do this with it? I mean, for, for me, I mean, approaching the script and just talking about it, what I really, what really interested me is taking elements of the Dracula story and using them in a modern light for things that we're dealing with, you know, even today, elements of that and focusing more on the female characters, it makes for honestly a much more interesting story. You know, it's a much more dynamic, it makes for much more of a dynamic story. So it's less of, in my mind, it was less of preparing kind of a cut and dry Dracula and using those characters and using this story to explore other themes. And also that word horror is, um it seems so real when you think about having to strap yourself into a corset today, um, which is, <coughs> which is, um, seems very apt. <coughs> Sorry, I'm gonna get some no worries. Yeah, I mean, to name it something like your invisible corset, uh, I mean, we kind of 
get a lot of different elements of this. Like, how do we, this is how we put the female focus on the story. This is how we also harken back to the 19th century. This is how we also give that element of the ethereal with invisible. But I, I think you're, you started to touch on something, Emily, about this idea of the, the, the what is the horror of this story, right? There's so much of it that is internal to Mina, um, which I found really fascinating. That's, that's an element of Dracula that maybe I just don't remember it well. Uh, my last experience was with Nosferatu, but like that's not, that's not there. So where is the horror internal to this character? Right, and uh, I mean, something I've always gravitated towards in the novel, my, the creepiest part of the novel to me is like the little section where Mina describes when she was attacked mm -hmm. by Dracula. And recent adaptations, I think starting with like the 1992 Gary Oldman, version, which is an excellent movie in and of itself, but it started to romanticize Dracula and kind of uh, almost try to humanize him. And, and there's almost a romantic relationship between Dracula and Mina, and uh, other adaptations have taken that and run with it. And that has always driven me crazy because it is like, no, if you read the novel, like, you know, it's rape. It's he attacks her, he rapes her. And we shouldn't shy away from that because that's who this monster is. So it was very important to me. And you know, with Twilight and sexy, sparkly vampires, <laughs> you know, and that's just like, that's not who they are. That's not the world Stoker created. Um, and that's not what caused me, you know, when I read the novel and I would turn off the lights and be like, nope, can't go to bed yet. Gotta watch a Big Bang Theory episode first. Okay, great. Yeah. Um, because it is like, it's an internal horror, a psychological, uh, it's not just the bite, it is the effect he has on her mind and the fact that he is going to haunt her forever. He is, you know. And you dramatize that. Right, which is exactly. Really fascinating to take, that, take the internal and externalize it. Right. In, in the form of a, of a corset that, that uh, <laughs> I think of the times that in that I have had to wear a corset in a play, and I've said, um, <laughs> and and I've thought this has got to be uh, doing some damage to my internal organs, um, and these women at this time would wear them all the time. But the feeling of being constricted, and that that you really have to make yourself smaller, and you have to make yourself tighter, and you have to make yourself a certain way, um, and it really does uh, constrict your breath, constrict um, yourself, and that, uh, you know, the, it, it seems very, uh, the parallels are very, very um, now about uh, there are Draculas, <laughs> no offense, there are Draculas in this world um, that would like to see women um, be smaller, be more constricted, um, that, that, is, that is the shape a woman should take. Um, and that, I think, applies to the horror of the story. I also really loved that part of what you, you brought out in the story is that complicated relationship that sometimes the victim can have to their attacker uh, the way that attackers uh, manipulate people. There's a ton of manipulation going on in, uh, in how Dracula in, uh, works with Mina, or, or works at on Mina. Um, 
And that was one of the most terrifying aspects of this to me, yeah. um, like how, how seduction can work. Um, can we just talk a little bit about that? Because it was terrifying. <laughs> Yeah, and I mean, I th again, I think that's what's really scary about vampires in general. And Dracula himself, that's what Stoker created, was this idea that he is a monster, but there is, there's like a very subtle, sinister allure to the mystery of we don't really see his face. I was about to point out, because I, I, I wanted to say, because I said seduction and the seduction of this, and I didn't say, however, that it's not has nothing to do with sexiness. Right. It has nothing to do with, oh, Dracula is so handsome. The actor playing Dracula is, of course, a very handsome man, right. but we don't see him. Right. <laughs> like, we never see him. And he uses her, I mean, to, just to keep that, extend that metaphor of, uh, it, it, he uses her lust for equality, her right. lust for getting rid of that corset against her. He seduces her with feminism. Exactly. Which, uh, That's, thank you for distilling what I was trying to say yeah. to something that would which make sense. Which, I was talking about this, uh, some of my family saw it last night, I was talking, and I was like, he seduces women with feminism, and to me, as a woman in 2018, that is how you can seduce me. It's nothing to do with sexuality, it's nothing to do about praising my looks, or anything like that. It is about, it's like, you seduce, if you say those words about, this is our time to rise, or talk to me about equality, you know, any of those, that language is what would seduce me right now. And I think a lot of other women feel that way right now too. Talk to me about the danger of that. Because that's an incredibly dangerous thing, right? Right. Like, we, do we all just have that, that something that, that, that the monster can find in us? I, I worry we do. And, and the, when the monster identifies it in us, oh, good Lord, we're all in for it, yeah, right? I mean, and kind of, Going back to the horror elements of it, I mean, that is what is that is what is scary. Is that this is a really effective way to manipulate or seduce someone. And I think what I appreciate about what Patty has done with the script is that we kind of find our way to take the monster back. You know, kind of like there are monsters in some respect in all of us in a certain way, but it's about skirting that line and knowing when it's like this is about. You know, this particular thing is about equality. It's not about using something that I know about you to my own advantage. I think that's the most important part. And although it is scary to think about, I think what we need to strive to do is identify it and not, um, and not use it to your own advantage, basically. There's a broken relationship um, that it's in place right from the start of the show between uh, the characters played by two of the actors right in front of me. I don't remember these characters having analogs in Dracula. Am I just forgetting this? Um, uh, Lucy and... And uh, Susan? Susan, yeah. Yeah, well, because Susan's usually Dr. Seward. And Lucy in the novel has three men propose to her in the same day. And Seward is one of them, but she chooses someone else. So they're gotcha. never actually okay. together, but he loves her. Uh, and because he's a doctor, this when is she how falls long it's been Ill. since I've read Yeah, when Sorry. she falls <laughs> ill, because uh, the, the three men who proposed to her are like all best friends too, right. of course. And um, so uh, when adorable. Lucy falls ill, they bring Seward in and Seward knows Van Helsing. And so yeah, well, blah, but blah, blah, I just love like that this relationship, uh, this, it felt like a modern version of a relationship, it felt very present. Um, I'm glad to hear it has analogs in the yeah. novel uh, that you were able to pull from, but like, uh, just talk to me about that, that relationship here 
and its relationship to the story of, uh, I mean, what could be, quote unquote, the main relationship of John and Mina. Oh, well, well, I do think, I mean, there is something from the very, from when we started, Patty and I started kind of um, discussing who Lucy is and um, where she is in this moment of the the world of the play is, um, is I do think this idea that she has these three suitors and in the novel and and also that she has some language about why can't I just marry all of them yeah, or something why can't I marry three men and just be done with it so there's, there's this like seed of, of of polyamory or something in this in this character but this idea that this is a a very free-spirited carefree um uh queer woman is I think uh I think kind of uh, wonderful in that in this in this uh, deep relationship, this marriage, in fact, that she had with with um, Susan, uh, they came to a point where they didn't want the same things, and that's right before um, Dracula kind of preys on that moment of vulnerability. I think for this woman, for Lucy. Um, I think that addresses some of what... I just kind of like threw it out there because I wanted to talk about this. I I love this relationship. I I was thinking, Susan is the only one, she's the odd man out because she has no connection to Dracula. Dracula doesn't know who she is. John's fighting him. Mina's seeing him. Lucy is dead and seeing him. (laughs) So Susan is kind of slowly, slowly walking into the fog and it takes her a very long time to realize everything that's happening. I think, um, yeah, it it becomes real when she finally sees Lucy as a vampire. Spoilers. (laughs) But yeah, but even then she's always fighting. It's logic, we need to to look at your medical records, we need to look at your vitals. Yeah, the, the supernatural is very hard for her to understand probably until, even until the end, because she's, she's like, I, I fought Dracula for a second, and I came back for Amy, and she's like, he doesn't even know who you are. She's like, what the, Damn it. dang it, <laughs> come on. So, yeah, yeah. And I love yeah. relationships where it's like the opposites yep. attract, and it's yeah. like these two are just like very different people. It's just John and Mina, you know, are cute, nerdy yeah, college cool. sweethearts, you know, that are very, like, compatible, versus these two are just like total opposites attract um coming together and falling in love and then the, it was important to me that the reason for the breakup was something that's just very real today like i know many people who uh who love each other very very deeply but then you know one wants children and one doesn't and that and there's just like that's a deal breaker um or you know one gets a job across the country and one wants to stay in New York, you know? I, I see that a lot, where just the reality of our lives gets in the way of love. And, um, and so that's what these two are struggling with, and then obviously tragedy strikes and supernatural and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> but like at the core, that's, you know, that's the hardest thing for these two. And uh, I would be remiss, uh, we're talking about all this uh, great stuff about relationships and about feminism and Dracula in the modern age. Uh, and but it's you know at the end of the day there's it's still Dracula it's still a horror play being done in October in October so um, gore blood 
Uh, it's all here. So if that's what you're looking for, you get that as well. Um, talk to me a little bit about like working technically here because you do have this nice big, you can probably hear listeners that we're in a, a very kind of uh, large room at the Clemente and you utilize light very well. You utilize all this gore effects and uh, people popping up from places we might not expect them. Just talk to me about working that way because it's, it's really fun. It was, uh, it was a beast. Um, the, <laughs> no, the, the space is beautiful and you know, our, our, all of our designers and our fight choreographer, Jordan, Jordan Reeves, um, just did a really incredible job. Our director, Jacob Titus, um, we, we've been in this space, thankfully, which is such a blessing to be in this space. Uh, for what a week before we a week and a half before week, we opened. Yeah. So we we I mean we really really safely of course um, prepped everything to go and then had a week to actually just be in the space and work through it and just keep chugging along. Um, and I love shows that implement a lot of technical effects, a lot of um, gore. You know, it's just fun really for <laughs> for actors um, and a lot of fight choreography is always fun. Um, so it was it was difficult, but I mean, I think the results speak for themselves. Yeah, I mean, it's a very precise show. There's a lot of uh, timing with, and not just like for lights and sound cues and everything like that, but just like, there's almost like choreographed moments, um, which you'll see when you come see it, <laughs> um, that uh, took a great deal of time. And as Patrick was saying, like it was, so great to, that we got in the space early because I think the space informs our choices a lot of the time. So like, you know, working through the play, it's like, oh, we have this column here, hide behind the column. And, uh, and then using the fabric to kind of blend with Dracula's cloak so he could actually literally be, the first time he stood there, you know, we were shining a flashlight on him and we were like, wait. Is he there? He's actually there. And then we, freaked out you know we scared ourselves a lot during those first few rehearsals I'm not gonna lie just because people popping out um, and that's when we knew we were doing our job well um, because yeah that is a part of the show um, and even with layering in feminism you know very human elements I've always said this is a human drama it's not supernatural you know we, the focus shouldn't be on Dracula it's about the people fighting him but you still want that fun little, oh, he popped out of nowhere. How did he come out of there? I had no idea. And where did that blood come from? <laughs> come try to figure it out at the Clemente yeah. Soto Velez. Uh, we are, um, it, this is the, what's the name of the space? The Flam The Flamboyant. I always get that wrong. Um, and uh, you run until when? October 27th is our final performance. Tickets and more information can be found at? www.hungerandthirsttheater.com E-R-R-E R-E Excellent. Thank you all so much. Uh, break legs and the rest of the run. And uh, thank you for a great show. Thank you. Thank you, Patricia, Emily, Patrick, and Elizabeth for hanging out after the show to chat. You can catch Your Invisible Corset at the Flamboyant Theater at Clemente Soto Velez, 107 Suffolk Street in Manhattan through October 27th, 2018. Head to hungerandthirsttheater.com, that's theater with an R-E, for a link to tickets and more information.
Thanks to you for listening into the podcast. If you dig it, please like it on Facebook, facebook.com slash go see a show. Follow at go see a show on Twitter and rate and or comment on the show's Apple Podcasts page. My name is Robert A.K. Gagno. You can find me on the internet at Robert Gagno, G-O-N-Y-O dot com. Until next time, go see a show. Love it. Brilliant. Good. Yay. Woo. Thank you. Wow.